The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Noni Boone had a corporate career in graphic design and yet didn't feel fulfilled. There was something brewing inside her that she could only describe as a calling. She felt drawn to study holistic counselling and this completely changed her life. And it was extremely difficult and it turned everything upside down, but in the end, it equipped her with the skills and qualifications she needed to be able to help herself and others with life struggles and challenges. She now has the honour of helping people become fully empowered, confident and successful. To find out more about Noni Boone, please visit our website, noniboone.com.au. That's N-O-N-I-B-O-O-N.com.au. Noni, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you, sister? Oh, that's my pleasure. I'm very, very well, thank you. I'm awesome, actually. I'm feeling very positive today. Today as opposed to other days? Tell me about that. Well, yeah, I think like everybody, we're certainly having some ups and downs. Some days you feel on top of the world and kind of moving between pessimism and optimism and trying to deal with this whole process, which of course is a a grief process for everybody. We're all feeling it to some extent. I would love to explore that with you today is uh, one of the chapters or concepts or ideas and emotions is around grief and I know you are an expert in talking about this and helping people navigate through the grief process so let's start off with um, a simple definition of grief and why it may be beneficial how do we navigate it and your tips and advice around this and not you can link it if you like what's going on at the moment at this particular point in time in human history, but also on an individual level as well. Yeah, for sure. So when I studied holistic counselling, oh, about 12 years ago, we came across the topic of grief. And I always thought that grief was just associated with losing somebody, somebody passing away and you go through a process of grief. And it really shocked me to 
learn that any significant change in life is a grief process. Even positive things like getting married, having a baby, moving house, they're a grief process as well because you grieve what's familiar to you and you grieve what you're losing. So like with everything, it's the yin and the yang. There's a shadow side to everything. So with getting married, you grieve the fact that you'll never be single again. You grieve the fact that you may be leaving behind your family name if you're taking on the name of your partner. You grieve the fact that you'll never have that sense of freedom where you make all your own decisions. You all of a sudden have to take into account your partner and your partner's needs. So there's a grieving process to that. Same with having a baby. You grieve the fact that you're living a life with really less responsibility than what comes with being a parent. So see how even though it's a positive thing, moving house might be super positive, but you might grieve the fact that you're leaving behind neighbours that you loved and an environment that you loved and perhaps your favourite cafe down the road or whatever it might be in that old neighbourhood that you absolutely loved. There's a grief process with leaving that behind. So that's what we have to come to terms with is that even though it's something really positive, there's also an associated loss. And I think with this current situation, there's just so many losses for so many people. And that's the thing that worries me mm -hmm. the most without minimising the situation and the gravity of it. It's more around how are these losses going to impact us long-term? I tend to be a big picture thinker and I think about what's going to happen with the loss of income and the loss of freedom, the freedom of movement that we have right now, our safety and our security, the fact that we can't travel, the fact that we've lost connection. And that really worries me a lot, particularly the social connection and how that's impacting on people with mental health issues and really worrying about how that's going to look for our terrible suicide statistics and and our mental health problems that we're already dealing with, that's just going to, I believe, is going to, to really be exacerbated. And that's my greatest concern as a coach and a counsellor through this whole mm. process. And it's brought up a lot of questions for me around how we're dealing with it, what we've done in finding the solution, and then how are we going to undo that? I'm looking at that as well. I'd love to get into some tips and solutions and your advice a little bit further on to the podcast, but there was something that came to mind while we were, while you were explaining that. And the one thing that with the removal of some of these freedoms, freedom to move, potentially freedom to think for ourselves, mm. uh, we seem to be, well, let's just put it in a, a hypothetical situation. Say you were not connected to the mainstream world whatsoever. You were living off the grid mm -hmm. in, in the bush. Yep. And you had no access to media. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a television. You didn't have a radio. You weren't connected to anything but your village or your even your space if you decided to actually live a hermit life. Yeah. Would they be going through grief at the moment in this situation? Well, I think everybody would be affected in one way or another because even if they're off the grid, as you said, they're still living in a village. So they're still going to be, I mean, I don't know, does that village have uh, the, 
the having to keep in in with the restrictions of no human well, I, contact. I guess I'm being philosophical here or hypothetical in my in my thoughts is yeah. in imagine if you were self sufficient and you weren't connected in, in this modern day age. How different yeah. would life be? Because some people have said, you know, this is a, a potential invitation for us to recreate our systems. And mm. when you were talking before about some of the, the grieving processes about what we have perceived that we have lost or changed at the moment is mm. we, many people probably are looking for some reassurance that this will manifest into safety in the future and a, a more beautiful world. But with our, our leaders at the moment, there seems to be so many conflicting messages that are out there. And I do these days have been looking into the mainstream media and every day there's a, there's a different opinion that is circulating in, even in the same outlets or news outlets, say let's just pick the Sydney Morning Herald, for instance, one story could be above another one and one is saying we need to be able to get back to work as soon as possible. This is an overreaction. Whereas the next one is saying, well, this person that has been appointed as a leader in their chosen field is saying we may need to be restricted for the next 12 to 18 months. So even in that, there's a conflict of messaging out of one possibly trusted source of information. And I wanted to talk to you about trust. How do we trust or how do people trust the information that they're receiving when it is so mm. conflicted? And my question would be, is this on purpose to create more fear? Or do you think mm. nobody knows what the hell's going on? I think a couple of things. First of all, just getting back to your hypothetical person off the grid we are all connected. That's the thing. We have the universal consciousness, if you like. So there's no place where I end and you begin. We are all connected. Spiritually, we are all connected. And I think that for me as well, I've, I really feel I'm quite empathetic and I really feel the sadness of everybody at the moment and the fear that everybody's going through. You talked about trust. I think the most important thing is to be able to trust yourself and trust your own judgment, trust your own ability to discern information for mm -hmm. yourself and follow your own intuition. Your intuition is the strongest compass and the strongest guide that you have. And somewhere along the way, so many people have lost touch with that and they're looking to this expert and that expert and it's your intuition that tells you who you can trust. That's something that we've been gifted with. It's part of our survival mechanism. Who do we trust? Who don't we trust? And I think that we all have the ability to, to discern that for ourselves, but it has to start with trusting yourself. You have to trust yourself enough to know that you have the ability to choose who you will and won't listen to. And then I think you have to have the smarts on as well and you have to be able to look at, okay, what is that person's motivation? What's motivating them to share their message or what's motivating them in their work or in their field or their expertise? So you have to, you have to sort of have, I guess, a healthy sense of scepticism as well around everything. But I really believe that it comes down to the core of who you are. And a lot of people, I feel, 
are very, very scared to take responsibility for themselves. I think that's a big part of it. And what they do then is that they listen to the man on the news and that's where they get their information. And, of course, that's just a whole world of fear and that fear makes people really anxious. We have a huge problem with anxiety in our culture and anxiety is basically fear of the unknown and the fact that this whole situation doesn't have a start and an end date. Usually as humans we're good when we're working toward goals and we know where there's the light at the end of the tunnel and we can work toward that. Whereas this goalpost keeps moving all the time. It was going to be three weeks. It was going to be a month. It was going to be six weeks. Like it just keeps moving. So that is undermining people's trust as well. And I think trust in our leadership and that is really creating its own set of problems as well and people's insecurity around that. Mm. I've been told that our culture in Australia is one that seems to have at its core one of its cause is that we live in a state of victimhood. Now, yeah. I've, I've been told that. I'm not sure whether any of that is true, part of it is true, whatever it may be. So I'd love to ex for you to explore what a victimhood culture could be like and, mm. and also what it means for somebody to identify themselves as a victim. It's a good question. Well, the victim is an archetype. So as humans, we have four what we call survival archetypes. Carolyn Mace theorised this. It's our survival archetypes are our primary archetypes. They're the child, the victim, the prostitute and the saboteur. So the victim archetype, like all archetypes, they have strengths and weaknesses. And when we are not operating in a healthy way in our lives, we go into the shadow side of our psyche, which is into the shadow side of these archetypes. And the shadow side of the victim is to be victimised and to feel that, oh, every, the world's against me, everything's going wrong for me, woe me, my life is the worst, everything works out for everybody else but not me and I'm picked on and, and I'm downtrodden and, and that's the victim, that's the victim mentality. And then the flip side of that, when we actually strengthen ourselves, is to flip that and to become victorious. And that's the part of us that's striving in everybody. Everybody wants to be victorious. But it's up to us to turn that around and we have to do that by becoming aware and conscious of our archetypes and how our inner dialogue works, paying attention to our thought processes, how we speak to ourselves, the language that we use in our own minds, and that's consciousness, that's awareness. And we all have the ability to do that, but a lot of people walk around in a slumber, they're asleep, they're just being, they're just in default mode, they're not questioning themselves, they're not aware of their thoughts, they're actually in the drama rather than pulling back and actually taking the time to sit with themselves and ask a few deep questions and really look at how am I living my life? Is this true? Do I need to be this way? And then strengthening those archetypes so that you can bring them into the light and make them a really powerful force in your life rather than be driven by the, the negative energy of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And as a culture? Yeah, well, I mean, as a culture, 
I think in our Western world, we're incredibly blessed. I think, I think that this is an opportunity. Like, okay, when you talk about the victim and the victim archetype, I'll give a perfect example, and this is a, a great analogy. I always tend to live my life very symbolically. So I live by like a language of a universal language where I believe that the universe speaks to me or God speaks to me, if you like, and I call it symbology. Some people call it synchronicity. You know, when events just line up and things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. My eldest son, Harrison, said to me, Mum, have you read the book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz? And I said, no, I haven't actually read that. And he said, oh, I just finished reading it. I've got a copy. I'll give it to you. And I said, oh, that'd be great. So... He forgot, which is typical. He's a man. They do that. And I was flying to Canada. I was at the airport at Sydney Airport and I was flying to Canada and I thought, oh, I might grab a book. So I went to the bookshop and, of course, right out the front was a copy of The Tattooist of Auschwitz. It was the the book of the week. And And it caught your eye. Well, of course, it was there for me. So I was meant to read it and I thought, well, because I've read Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, so I'm kind of familiar with with the concept of of that situation. And I thought, okay, when you're going to read a book like that, you need to be in a good headspace because it's hard going. And I thought, well, what better than a ski trip in Canada where I'm just having a great time. It can be the sort of balance, if you like. So I read that book while I was over there and it was really thought-provoking and And then not that I would do any justice by comparing it to our situation now, but there are some very vague similarities with the sense that we are being controlled, we are being told what to do. We do have authoritative figures that are making decisions and choices for us. And when you think about the Jewish people and how they were in that situation, they were victims. They were definitely victims. There was so much cruelty and so much control. It's unspeakable. And it's really hard to be human and to not feel ashamed of that part of ourselves. But the reality is that we all have a shadow side. We all have in us a shadow side of us. And we all have the ability to be victimised by a situation, by life, by other people, whatever it is that's a force that dominates and controls us has the ability to victimise us. And I have to say I have felt victim to this situation and powerless at times and wanting to scream and shout and put forward my view and my ideas and it's really disempowering to feel that you don't have a voice and that no matter what you do, I actually even wrote an, an email to the Prime Minister, I'm sure that it just lands on the millions of other emails that he gets, but I felt that I wanted to do it. I felt that I wanted to have my say. And even a simple little gesture like that is enough to make you feel that you're not a victim to this, that you actually do have a voice, that you actually can do something positive. And I think that's really important. And I think what's also important to take from that and take from the book that I read and Viktor Frankl and his whole message is we have to find meaning in this situation. If we can find meaning in this situation, then we're no longer victims. And our bodies might be controlled. We might be being told that we can go here or can't go there, but no one can control our mind and our spirit. And I think that's the part that we have to make victorious in this whole situation and in our lives moving forward. Mm, I love it. 
I've had an interesting last couple of days. The media has, has ran with a story, and as they do, they uh, took something out of context and then I blew, it up. That. <laughs> blew it up. And, and what was fascinating by it was I've had, let's just say, more than a few emails and messages to me over that time. And generally, they are people that if it's on social media, have a cartoon character as their profile pic or no profile pic at all. Mm. And mm. there's been death threats. There's been, I hope you die, blah, 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 as you could imagine. And what I find when I'm listening to you talking about the victim and then they become victorious, it's nearly like they've got a way of exerting their, there's a chance for them to get out of their victimness because as a victim or as somebody possibly, and this is just my perception, they can't even show their real face on social media. So mm. what does that say? Is there, is there insecurity around there? Uh, well, they're, coward, they're cowards, yeah. And then all of a sudden there's an opportunity for them to become victorious and tell somebody how they feel in a, I guess, an aggressive or they're blowing off steam, obviously, mm. uh, for some part of their life. Yeah. And I get it and I understand it and it doesn't affect me. But it's, I was thinking about it the other day and I have been the brunt of certain things I've had vegans come and tell me that I'm a horrible person. I, I hope that I die or animals get killed and children get killed, whatever it may be. I've had the medical fraternity come and say that I'm a danger to the general population. I've had certain people out there say this, that, and the other as well. Mm. And I am fascinated by it that and I'm also fascinated how I attract that as well. And I would love for you to even go a little bit deep and do me a therapy session here while we're talking about it because you said there's four main archetypes. There's the child, there's the victim, there's the prostitute, and there is the saboteur. The saboteur. So could you explain how this could be working? And I know it's probably not a cut and copy sort of thing that you can put out there, but your interpretation of why somebody like myself seems to attract this type of polarization, because at the same time I should continue I have hundreds of messages of support in saying, you know what, we've used something like that, that machine, and it has helped my father or my grandfather or my kids or this, that, and the other. And if only people were curious and opened their eyes to the potential of there's not just one train of thought out there that is completely correct for every single person. Yep, absolutely. Look, I think a couple of things. One thing, and I'm relating it to times in my life where I've felt victimised by people or where I've been at the receiving end of haters, and we all go through that. I think for me, I always wanted to be liked and it really upset me if somebody didn't like me because I couldn't understand it. I was like, well, what's not to like? I'm so kind and generous and friendly. But at the end of the day, people will just not like you because of the way your nose sits on your face or because of the colour of your hair or what clothes you choose to wear or whatever it might be. And I learned that confidence is not, I hope they like me. It's, I'll be fine if they don't. And I realised then that what that was initiating in me, because rather than 
See, if you just look at it from the victim archetype of I'm being victimized, that's so powerless because that puts you on the back foot. That puts you in a position where you're being attacked. What's much more empowering is to ask yourself some really valuable questions around what can I learn from this and how can I evolve through this situation and how will it make me stronger in myself? And I find now that if I do receive flack or somebody has a go at me, I look at it as an opportunity to strengthen my character, to strengthen my belief in myself, my trust in myself, and to be able to allow it to just wash over me. Because when you stick your head up above the crowd, which is what you do, you're going to be in the firing line. You're making yourself a target because you're brave enough and courageous enough to step up and and push forward some great ideas and some great beliefs. And there's going to be people that agree with you and there's going to be people that disagree with you. And at the end of the day, the ones that are the real haters, they're the people that are looking for someone to blame. They want someone to blame for why their life is so miserable. And you're the target because you're the one sticking your head up above the firing line. So you have to understand that this is not happening to you. This is happening for you. This is an amazing opportunity for you to become even more connected to who you are, become more, even more deeply entrenched in your message and what it is that you believe in because you're going to have, and this is the great thing about confidence and how confident people lead, The people who like you are going to really, really like you and that's really important and they're going to be your followers. They're your tribe and they're the people who will put themselves on the line for you and they're the people that you want in your life and they're the people that you attract and I've been following your social media and I know that you attract those people and that's what you have to focus on. You cannot afford to focus on the small minority of people And it is a minority because, as I say, I have been tracking it and following it. You cannot afford to focus on those people because those people are there to test you and distract you from your message and your belief in yourself. And you cannot give them that power. It's really important that you stay true to who you are through this whole process. And I think it's even harder for you too because you're in the media. And what I've noticed is that if the media is having a go at somebody, I always look to it as, "Mm, well, that's interesting. They're trying to discredit that person. Why would they be wanting to do that? Is that that person obviously has an interesting message. I'd better look into that. But see, that's just my healthy scepticism. And I always just know how, I know how these systems work, whereas a lot of people don't. And I think that's the thing that I want to shout out to people is wake up, open your eyes look around, don't just go mainstream. In fact, don't go mainstream, go right off mainstream and look to where is the truth and what is the motivation for people with what they're saying. And your motivation is purely through the beautiful intention of wanting to help people. You want to help people become their best selves because that's the way that you live your life. And your message is so important to people, more important to people now than ever before. So because of that, it's going to also attract that energy. As I said to you, everything has the positive and the negative. So with all the positive that's coming and all the beautiful people who are behind you and backing you and supporting you, and I've seen that happen, you're going to have the equal opposite to that. 
because that's life. It's the yin and the yang. It's the night and day. It's the dark and the light, the black and the white. It's everything has an opposite. So for all that good that you're attracting and creating, you're going to have also the shadow side of that, which is those people, unfortunately. And that's always going to be the way we can't, none of us can do anything to change that or to take that away. It's just, it's human nature. My family and I have been using beautiful, high quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, .com backslash Pete. Yay. <laughs> it was interesting. I got that. I really appreciate that too, Noni. Thank you. I was sent a book yesterday and it was called The Truth About Life by Dr. Lily Kucho. And I recently had her on the podcast actually. But uh, the start of the book was what really got to me. And she just put a couple of quotes there and I'll just read two of them. First one is from Buddha. Three things cannot be long hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. And then the second quote is from Gandhi. And it says, many people, especially ignorant people, want to punish you for speaking the truth, for being correct, for being you. Never apologize for being correct or for being years ahead of your time. If you're right and you know it, speak your mind. Speak your mind. Even if you are a minority of one, the truth is still the truth. And that came in right through this process again, which yeah. I found, as you said, synchronistic or, or yeah. the right thing at the right time. And I, I love that. Yeah, and absolutely. I want to explore these other uh, archetypes with you. Mm -hmm. The inner child. Let's talk about that because uh, a lot of people may not understand what that means and the, the potential there. Well, the child archetype is basically shaped from your childhood, the type of childhood that you had. So there's all different types of inner children, if you like, and you can be one or more of them. So there's the, uh, there's the wounded child, there's the nature child, there's the eternal child. So it's, it's a big topic and I'm, I'm trying to condense it down into a few minutes because I know we don't, it's really, on my podcast I spoke about them and I didn't like literally 50 minutes for each archetype just to explain it briefly. So, but let's, let's just look at, okay, how can we do this kind of really quickly? So the inner child shaped on your childhood. The thing to understand is that the inner child in you never leaves. So even now, Pete Evans, at the age that you are, you still have a part of you that's, that is childish, that is the seven-year-old you, and that's the part of you that gets super excited and wants to, to run and do crazy dumb things with the kids and wants to, like, get on a ride at an amusement park and, you know, that part of you that's just really joyous and really fun and spontaneous and wants mm -hmm. to just live life to the full and, mm -hmm. and jump in mud puddles and do all that crazy stuff that as an adult we stop doing that. We, we kind of become more into our adult uh, and our parent archetype, which is sort of related through transactional analysis with the inner child. So it's really important to keep your inner child balanced. 
Mm, I, I just say, I just jumped on the trampoline before our podcast. Yeah, I, I yeah. did one podcast this morning and then yeah. I went outside and hung on the monkey bars and then yeah. I, I thought I'll do a couple of backflips before this podcast just to uh, move some stuff around and to, and to have a bit of a laugh too and yeah. for my child. Yeah, exactly. And that's a part of us that as we get older and more serious, we just forget about having fun. We forget about being spontaneous. Everything has to be planned out and, oh, no, well, I can't just take the day off and, and be wild and crazy. I've got commitments and responsibilities. So the inner child part of you is that part that wants to be able to balance responsibility with just having a damn good time in life. And that's what we're here for. We're here to have some friggin' fun. We're not here to just be a sort of under the pump and and working to the grind and and everything's about paying the bills and we've got to do this and got to do that and super responsible and overworked and overwhelmed a lot of women are overwhelmed because they're just so full of the responsibility particularly now with homeschooling and all the shit that goes along with that we're so overwhelmed that we're just there's no time for fun and that's really damaging to us to all of us men and women so what you have to do to keep your inner child healthy, if you like, is you have to have a just amazing amount of fun. And if you're not and your inner child's neglected and everything's about being overworked and overwhelmed, your inner child will be that part of you that will suggest that you do things to numb yourself and that will be alcohol and drugs and gambling and all those things that take us away from ourselves that are unhealthy. So and, and I'm going to interrupt you just there for a second because what I, and from my personal experience as I used to drink alcohol and it nearly seems that these addictive qualities or these, these escapes is a chance for us to be childish again. People get drunk and then they behave yeah. like children. People yeah. gamble and it's that excitement of it's nearly like Christmas. Am I going to get that present, you know, with the flip yeah. of the card or the roll of the dice or the, exactly. the spinning of the wheel? People, exactly. you know, so is, is that what it is? So you can see how that behaviour speaks to that archetype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why that's initiated from that. So archetypes are like your instinctual behaviour patterns, that's something that's blueprinted in all of our psyche. We're all the same. We all have it. There's not one person, not one human that doesn't have these archetypes. So, yeah, so absolutely. And for me, I, you, so if you look back to what did I do when I was a child that I had a tremendous amount of fun doing and I need to be doing that now. So if you don't have that in your life, you have to go out and make it happen. You have to find it again. For me, it's horse riding. I have four horses and for me, I just yesterday went riding down the, I live in, in the bush, Sydney's northwest and I'm lucky enough to be on 15 acres and I rode my pony down the fire trails and just cantering along through the bush, wind in my face. There's just nothing better. It takes me back to being my 12-year-old self. So you have to find what you did as a child that you loved and keep doing it. And then as a parent, you have to keep being that part of yourself when you're with your children as well. You have to be a fun parent, mm. to be a fun parent. It's really important. So that feeds your inner child in a healthy way. And then you've got the prostitute archetype. So the prostitute archetype is that part of you that people would say, okay, people, how much would it cost? What would your price be? for you to sell your soul? Would it be a million dollars? Would it be $2 million? 
Mm, it's interesting. I've, I've watched a few conspiracy things recently and some very famous people actually say they've sold their soul, they've sold their soul, they've sold their soul. It's like, whoa, <laughs> I've never, ever considered it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's even those words just, I mean, whether you believe in good but or it bad. Might, it, might even be, it might even be really subtle. It might even be that, that you maybe take the credit for something that you didn't fully do or that maybe you put yourself ahead for that promotion above that other person, but you know that they really deserve it more than you. Do you see how it can be quite subtle? It doesn't always have mm-hmm. to be big, huge, massive. We do these things in small ways on a daily basis. Okay. No one's exempt from it. It can even be the fact that you maybe tell a little white lie and because it actually protects you from some sort of humiliation or some sort of embarrassment. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you're actually selling, see your prostitute archetype is there to protect your integrity. It's there to protect you and your ethics and your values. And when you don't honour those things, that's when you sell your soul. And you can do it for money, you can do it for power, you can do it to get ahead in some way, shape or form. So there's the prostitute archetype. You need to look out for that one because it's always tempting you. And then the saboteur archetype is basically the archetype that's responsible for your motivation. So say, for example, you decide that you're going to start a gym program and you're going to get up at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning and boom, that's it, you're going to start. And then the alarm goes off and you wake up and it's really cold and raining outside and then this little voice in your head says, oh, maybe we'll just start tomorrow. That would be okay, wouldn't it? See how straight away you're sabotaging yourself? Mm-hmm. So the motivating part of that is that part of you that gives yourself a kick up the ass and says, get out of bed, Pete. You promised you were going to go to the gym. Just get up and friggin' do it. So that is your saboteur archetype in its strength is when it's motivating you and it's actually encouraging you and driving you to do the things that you promise yourself that you're going to do because if you make a promise to yourself and you don't fulfill that promise you're letting yourself down and when you let yourself down you sabotage yourself because you lose trust in yourself we talked about that earlier how we have to trust in ourselves before we can look to who else we can trust in and this is what happens with a lot of people is that they don't have the internal strength of character developed enough in themselves to be able to then recognise it in other people. So this is something, but the good news is that we can work on this. It's not, it's not a given. It's something that we can all consciously work on. That's the great power of being human and evolving and actually learning and discovering new things. So then there's the, so there's the saboteur archetype. What have we got left? We've done the child, the victim, we've done them all, haven't we? We have. And then obviously we have this potential battle or inner conflict that (laughs) we've got the saboteur, the motivator, we've got the prostitute, we've got the caregiver, we have the the child and the the more adult side of us. So there's this, I guess, maybe conflict or potentially a better terminology may be finding balance between these because they all serve a purpose, no doubt, at particular times and they've helped shape who we are and then we can find... I guess, pearls of wisdom by looking at ourselves from all 
perspectives. Well, exactly, exactly. And that's, see, this, this, people tend to hear the word shadow and think, oh, that's really negative. I don't want to have that or dismiss that. But there's gold in the shadow. So say, for example, with the saboteur archetype, you might decide that you want to go out and start a new business and you're all motivated to do so and there's a voice in your head saying, this is, this is really my passion and this is what I want to do. And then the shadow side of the saboteur archetype, which is the demotivator, it's, I call it, I have a bit of a name for this, where I call my saboteur the two parts of it, the good part, the guiding force, I call that my angel in the attic. And then the negative part of it I call the bitch in the basement or the bastard in the basement. And that's that voice, mm -hmm. that underlying voice that puts you down, mm -hmm. walks down to you that says, who do you think you are to be doing that? Oh, I've, I've had that recently. Every, it's bizarre. Every time that I've done a speaking tour or an event, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. It's just this intuition that comes up. And then once I've agreed to do it or actually put it into motion, that night or the next night, as I'm going to bed, all of a sudden this voice comes in and goes, why do you think you're special that anybody would want to spend a couple of hours listening to you talk, Mr. <laughs> Evans? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, the it's the bastard in your basement. It's the bastard in the basement of, the, of your mind. It's the shadow side of that archetype. But the, the beauty in that and, and the gold in that is that it's actually there to make you look at something and make you question something. So if... Say, for example, that voice that says, well, who do you think you are to start that business? Nobody's going to like your message or nobody's going to like your talk or nobody's going to want to buy your product. Then you can turn around and question it and see whether or not there's actually any truth in that. So you ask yourself, okay, so let's put it back to you with the talk. So then you might ask yourself, am I prepared? Have I done my homework? Have I made sure that my talk is going to be interesting? Have I woven in some human stories and some humour in that and made sure that it's going to be entertaining enough? Is, is it directed at the right, is, is my message directed at the audience that's going to be there? And, and then so once you've had all that doubting and then you've faced it and you've questioned it and you've come up with all the correct answers for it, then you can just put it to bed. It's done. Okay, good. So it was actually quite helpful, wasn't it? Because it actually got you to make sure that you've actually ticked every box to see how it's actually quite useful. Mm, and yeah, I, it only it, it creeps in. I guess it's not even one percent, but there's just a little voice. Is like, are you sure you want to be doing this? Is this really part of your path? And that it it, it nearly becomes steadfast. It's like, uh huh because I'm following my intuition. Yes. But I'm also being challenged by myself at the same time. It's like, are you sure? And then it's, yeah, I'm sure. Why are you sure? Because it feels like my path of my journey and for and not to be too woo-woo out there, but sometimes I feel like it's synchronistic. And once upon a time I used to think, well, what am I going to benefit from this? Whereas mm. these days I, with all of my encounters, and I'm like, well, there might be something for me, but there also might be something for somebody else that I cannot even see yet. And I just might be a catalyst for joining two people together. And that happened recently on a, uh, on a trip to America. I came into contact with a doctor and then I met another doctor. And in both of those situations, I was like, what's the connection here? And funnily enough, one of the doctors reached out to me and was saying, you know, do you know anybody that does this? I'm like, 
uh-huh, I just was with someone yesterday that, that does that. Mm-hmm. And I got an email, funnily enough, this morning from the second doctor and they said, I'm working full-time with that other doctor you told me about and thank you so much for that connection. So sometimes mm-hmm. if we remove ourselves instead of it being all about us, yes. you can just be a conduit. Exactly. even. But you follow your intuition to be somewhere or to a certain time. You just say, oh, I think I need to go to the, go for a walk right now. Or mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm going to make sure I go, for, go shopping at that time. There might be something in that where you meet somebody that could change that person's whole, trage- whole yeah. purpose in life or yourself. Who yeah. knows? And that's, that's what I love now being in this space because used, I used to think it was all about me and now I'm thinking, oh, it could be a little bit about me. It could be a lot about me or it could have nothing to do with me whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's when you're in flow. When you're in flow with life is when it works out like that and you do have those amazing opportunities to be of service. Mm. So how do we recognize when we are in that conflict or out of balance, if that is such a thing as being out of balance or, or how do we recognize these, these signs? Well, I liked what you said about the questioning that you have around a speaking engagement and the fact that you have this little kind of inner argument with yourself. And that is you having a, a conversation between the two sides of an archetypal force within yourself And it sounds to me like you're pretty healthy psychologically because you come out on top and you go and do what you set out to do. When you know that it's out of balance and it's too much in the shadow is when it cripples you and you then sabotage yourself and you don't fulfill your dreams and your life starts to spiral. That's usually when people come and see me. (laughs) Uh, I love it. So how are you navigating this time? currently and what are you sharing with your clients and and friends and family about this i mean we always have times of uncertainty i mean it's part of human yeah evolution is i don't exactly know what's around the corner and even when we think we know what's around the corner i'll give you an example recently i I went on a plant medicine journey in costa rica and the first two nights were glorious you know all these realizations and yeah yeah yep i've got it after the end of the second night i was like I've worked it all out. Yeah. Then at the end of the third night, I realized I knew nothing. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. Back to that uncertain space of curiosity again. Yeah. For me, I have a very, very strong faith and prayer is really important for me. And I don't really know what it is that I pray to. It's just kind of a higher power, I suppose. I think that it's really important to really practice that. It's like a lot of people, they tend to start that kind of a practice when they're at their lowest point, when they're on their knees, so to speak. I think it's really important, like anything, to have that program in place so that it's part of your everyday life so that when the shit hits the fan, you're already prepared. It's a bit like the immune system If you basically just eat garbage all the time and you don't look after yourself, you don't look after your body and you don't look after your diet and your nutrition and then you get sick, you're already kind of on the back foot. Like if you have a healthy immune system and then something comes along, you're already in a position to 
overpower that and to you're coming from a strong place. It's the same with prayer. It's really important to always have that faith in there being a purpose for this, in there being a reason for this, there being a higher force that's taking care of the world and looking after you and you're going to be okay. I think that's really important to establish that because for me, having faith over fear is something that I know really protects me, mind, body, spirit. I know that it protects my immune system and it looks after me because one of the biggest things and one of the most contagious things is fear and fear depletes the immune system so much and same with isolation. That's the thing that's really worried me through this whole thing is when people are depressed, they isolate and we're being forced to do that. So what is that doing to us? And one thing that I've really noticed and I actually put it out to, to all of you listening to start to notice this now. People have stopped looking each other in the eye. And I find that really quite concerning because it's nearly like people are ashamed, afraid, embarrassed, or at worst, paranoid about who's got this, who's carrying it, can I talk to you, can I go near you? And it's really creating a lot of uncertainty and it's undoing the connection that we have, which is just our the fabric of our society is our connectedness and it's undoing that. And I have been really challenging myself to look people in the eye as I'm walking toward them or walking past them and smile at people. We have to make sure that we keep smiling at people and sending people love and warmth because I worry about how this is going to impact us long-term. The toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put it back in. This has already happened. So how do we make sure that we undo this when all this is over and we are allowed to engage and socialise again? I think that's something to really consider. Yeah, I I love that. I mean, my mum who listens to our podcast, hi mum, she used to go up to the Bondi Junction shopping centre quite a few times per week and because she lives alone with her cat. And part of that was obviously to interact and see people and smile at them and engage with them. And since this lockdown, she has now started walking around the neighbourhood. And when I saw her yesterday, she was telling me that, you know what, Pete, people are really happy and smiling at me when I'm walking around and I smile at them and I say hello. And she goes, and she said that it, she, her perception is people are becoming friendlier, which is fascinating. So again, it's an opportunity. And now she's found a new way instead of having to go into a supermarket to connect with people, she's adapted and I love it <laughs> It's because, yep. you know, she has found a way for her to continue her needs and wants and desires without being scared and fearful. Yep. So, yep. and that's why I think human beings are wonderful. We have amazing resilience. And yep. going back to that, at the moment, you look at every single photo pretty much of any leader that's out there and there's no smiles on anybody's faces. And I'm like, where's that inner child? And why isn't anyone talking about the immune system? And how do we get that message out there? And, yeah. and I actually did a post today earlier just saying, you know, I've heard from medical experts that people with compromised or weakened immune systems at high risk here with any virus or any, any illness that's going around that can be caught or manifest in their body. Yet, the same people say that we can't strengthen or boost our immune system, but they say that 
people have weakened ones. So if we can weaken it, Mm. surely we must be able to improve it or at least have some sort of homeostasis there that we can get back to. So there's been a lot of studies done around gratitude and humour in terms of strengthening the immune system because it helps people that are sick. And hugs, hugs are really important as well. Like hugging has been known to improve heart health and reduce fears. They did a study of 400 people where they used hugs and had a look at the health benefits of that. But, of course, we're not really able to do that right now. But what I suggest, because we can't hug our friends and go out there and hug strangers or people that we meet or whatever it might be, is spend more time hugging the people that you can hug. And I'm, I've always been really affectionate with my husband and my children, but I'm hugging them even more now than what I used to do. I love it. So I would love to finish off by talking about your book, Holofest, and talk to us about the intention behind that and some of the results that you have had from your readers and clients, please. Yeah, so I did a lot of work with the law of attraction. I watched the movie The Secret and I read sort of most books that were put out on the law of attraction and I tried to put it into practice and I just found for me that it wasn't quite working as well as I would have liked it to have worked. So I started looking at it because I studied holistic counselling and I tend to look at everything from a holistic perspective. I started looking at what's actually missing. What do I think is really missing in this And I realised that in order for it to really work effectively, I believe that we need to use our mind, body and spirit to be or mind, body, soul to be able to really attract and bring into our lives the things that we want. And one of the things that I felt was really important was developing strength of character and being able to develop ourselves so that we are the best version of ourselves that we can possibly be and then also understanding the creative process because my background is being a graphic designer I understand how creating art works and I really believe that creating life is very similar to creating art you have to visualize it you have to attract it and then there's a process through how all that works and so I've put it sort of in a step-by-step kind of recipe if you like as to how to attract all the things that you want into your life and understand the process of how that works so I've kind of laid it out and it's it's worked really well for me I have to say that nobody's life is perfect and I would never claim that I have a perfect life but there's nothing that I've wanted in my life that I haven't been able to attract. Mm, I love it. And people can purchase your book from Booktopia, Amazon, and from your website, no doubt. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Noni, I just want to tell you that I love you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for uh, counselling me as well. (laughs) Well, definitely keep on being you, Pete, because the world needs you and needs your message and needs everything that you're putting out there. And I tell you what, if, if you do pull back and you stop being you, I, for one, will be the first person to come and hunt you down. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My death threats are going to be for the complete opposite reason to the other death threats that you're getting. Oh, uh, you know, it's all, it's all a game and it's all fun. 
you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just have to remember that the bigger target you become because the braver you become, then it's just it's part of what goes hand in hand with it and you just have to step up and take it on the chin. It's it's that's as good as it gets. It's just unfortunately there we're not going to change the world and evolve humans overnight. It's going to take a bit of time and we're all struggling with the same challenges. It's not it's not as if I've made it anywhere. I still struggle a lot, as I'm sure you do and everybody does, but we have to be conscious of it. We have to work on it and we have to just never stop trying to improve ourselves. I might finish off with this because just to paint a picture and, you know, many people could look at this from many different angles, but I was sitting with, with someone recently and sharing a cup of tea and a fellow said to me, he goes, geez, Pete, you're so successful. You know, how, how did that happen? And I looked him in the eyes and we were sharing a cup of tea. I said, well, what does success mean for you? You know, what's your definition of it? And then I said, I said, look at the two of us right now where we are. We've both walked very, very different paths in life. But right now we are at exactly the same point, sharing a cup of tea together. So right now, we're equal as we've always been equal. Like everybody else is, is connected and equal. I said, it's just our perception because we're in this moment together and there isn't there, you know, the past is the past and the future is unknown, but right now we are sharing a cup of tea together. So where is the, where is the difference in that? And, you know, I may have detractors that say, well, that's, that's not exactly true, but for me, it was true. So it's our perception, I believe, that it, that dictates the flavour of our life. Exactly. And I, it's really nice to see your humility in all of that as well. That's a very beautiful thing. Have a beautiful day, Noni. Love you. And uh, thank you so much. You too. you too. We'll talk again, hopefully, at some stage. I look forward to it. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Bye. If you would like to become a qualified health coach, then the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN for short, can help you achieve your goals. I completed their health coaching course many years ago, which has been one of the catalysts for my own journey into what I now love to do, which is to help people achieve greater health through the sharing of information through my books, seminars, podcasts, TV shows, and films. I recommend IIN for anyone wishing to pursue a career in the health coaching and wellness space. IIN is a one-year course, so that if you're a full-time worker, busy parent, or wherever you are in your life, it is flexible enough so you'll be able to complete all the required curriculum. Please see the link included in the podcast show notes or my website to access the free sample class and first module of their program. This will give you a great taste of the format as well as the structure, and you can also utilize my special discount that I can offer you if you decide to sign up. Make sure you tell the admissions team that you're part of the Pete Evans Tuition Savings to claim your very substantial discount. Please visit integrativenutrition.com or email admissions at integrativenutrition.com. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. 
Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.